Good evening. I wish to talk to you this evening about the, the state of the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, to whom it concerns, it's a great goal! That was a super goal! Cantwell makes no mistake from the spot, and error win 3-2. Look at him! Look at him in anguish! Oh, look at the Spanish keeper in anguish! Oh, it's so false! It's so false! And up yours as well. Hello again. Now, as I was saying, it's been an obscenely long time since our last episode of Irish Football Chronicles, counting down 100 of the most important games in Irish football history. But while I can offer the usual excuses about the day job or day jobs and moving house and all that, I can also assure you that I haven't been idle over the past 10 months. This episode required a huge amount of research and editing, and safe to say is pretty unique compared to what I've put out before. I've been working on it since January, so I'm not going to offer too much of a preamble, but just to set the scene for you. This episode is based on a game that's fascinated me since I first read about it in the early 90s. It's Ireland's first ever World Cup qualifier against Belgium at Dalyman Park in 1934. This game was remarkable for a number of reasons, which you're going to find out about over the next 40 minutes or so. There were very few internationals played at this time, and Ireland, or the Irish Free State as they were known at this time, hadn't fielded a team in an international match since May of 1932. Belgium were already familiar opponents, and this will be the fourth meeting between the two teams. To qualify for the finals in Italy, the Free State would have to finish in the top two of a three-team group containing Ireland, the Netherlands and Belgium. Each team would play a total of two games, one at home, one away. Now, regular listeners will know that I normally intersperse these shows with snippets of popular culture and TV and various kind of cultural touchstones like that. That's obviously a lot more difficult for a game that took place over 80 years ago. So instead, I've taken a pretty unorthodox approach. What you're now going to hear is the journey of a football fan, a young coal yard worker, from Ringsend to Dalymount Park on February 25th, 1934. You'll hear his thoughts and the sounds of 1930s Dublin as he makes his way from Thorncastle Street through the city centre to the game itself. I've tried to make this as true to life a depiction of Dublin in the 1930s as I possibly can. The only thing I haven't done is attempt to mimic a 1930s Ringsend accent But otherwise, these soundscapes are as authentic as I could possibly make them. As are all the references and events with just a little bit of artistic license thrown into the mix. So, for the next 40 minutes or so, you're going to travel through the Dublin of 1934 to witness one of the most remarkable games in Irish football history. And you're going to do it through the thoughts of a young man in his early 20s, whom we now join as he makes his way down Thorncastle Street in Ringsend on the sunny Sunday afternoon of February 25th, 1934. This time last year it was snowing. Hard to believe as you watched the sun bounce off the bay, but it had been proper snow, heavy, a blizzard in fact. The worst snow for a hundred years, they said. You've been talking about it last night in Smoky Joe's with your da and your uncle Des. 
Did you see that blizzard in 1933, your dad had said? That nearly done for me. Once when the slates blew off the gaff in Thorncastle Street, and once when I went to tie up Jimmy Bluffer's hobbler and nearly got blown into the sea. The thing nearly killed me twice. How could anything kill you twice, said your Uncle Des, but he knew what he meant. That was as much sense as he got out of them last night. It had been a big week at the top end of the Ringsend docks, and it had been a big night in Smoky Joe's after. A ship had gone off to Antwerp, loaded up with cattle and all sorts, and the lads on the dock had done fairly well for themselves. Mind you, they'd lost most of it in the pub after. What didn't go on drink went on playing rings for money. Uncle Des had got well and truly hustled by a stranger from the north side, best rings player you'd ever seen. Des was so sickened he'd gone out and puked a belly full of porter off the bridge after. You're smiling at the memory as you walk back down Thorncastle Street towards the bridge. Never sure if you're supposed to bless yourself as you pass the church on the Thorncastle side or the Bridge Street side, so you do both. In there for mass this morning, with your dad gripping onto the pews for dear life and your ma turning red beside him, he had offered up a good word for the Free State team today. The World's Cup. Sounded like a big thing. He'd heard about the first one from an Argentine sailor who was at the final. Uruguay won it. He said Argentina were robbed, but sure. Everyone said that when they lost. Sure, there were lads saying that after Mass about the game at Shelburne Park last night and Shells had lost 6-2 to Bowles. Another season gone for Shells. Don't know why you bother with them anymore. You'd seen in the paper that the Belgian team were at that game last night. You weren't. You'd done a Saturday spell at Clarkins Coal Yard on Pierce Street. Heard the cheers for the goals, though. Too bloody many of them. Home for a wash and then you'd promised your ma you'd take her to the pictures in town. Paddy, the next best thing at the Metropole, shilling each. Some Irish thing from Hollywood, although there's no more Irish than the man in the moon. To be honest, you'd rather have seen Night of Terror with that lad Lugosi at the deluxe on Camden Street. But your ma hadn't slept for a week after she saw Dracula a few years back, so no chance of that. Tea and a bun in the Metropole after. Everyone dressed up to the nines and you there in your second-hand suit that's been in the pawn shop more often than on your back. Taste of coal still in your mouth and your cap sitting on your knee. Rings End Bridge. Heart's slowing down up ahead. Who's the Jarvey with the white hair? Ah, Mr. Carey. Mr. Carey and his old mare. What was this he called it? Pegasus. Calling you over. Hop up there now and don't be telling your da I let you go, Shanks mare. Where are you off to? I'll drop you at the pillar anyhow. You'd rather have walked it, but decent of him all the same. Don't see as many Jarvies as when you were small. He's been at it a long time. Bit of a wobble on the back rear wheel. Hope you don't end up face down on Pierce Street. Brunswick Street, the map in Mr. Clarkin's office says. You're only as old as yourself. Go as far as the pillar and get the tram to Daily Mount from there. Could have got one in Ring's End, but rather not pay the two fares and all adds up. There's the Palace Cinema, the ancient concert rooms your granddad still calls it. You saw your man Joyce, the writer, sing there at the Feshkyol in 1900 and something. Sang beautifully, he did, until he walked off the stage when they asked him to sing blind. Cowardice. Disqualified. 
Grandad wouldn't hear of him at any price after that. Matter a damn how many dirty books he sells to Frenchmen, as he says. Gibson's decorators closed today. Your pal Jem nearly got the head blown off his shoulders there a year and a half ago. Put Mr. Gibson's window in for selling Flanders poppies. Civic guard turned up, shooting. Some chase back to Ring's End. Up Tisdall wouldn't have been in it with him. Never told your man da about it. And now here's Clarkin's coal yard on the left. Eyes straight ahead and past it at the trot. Glad you're not in there today. Not a day for shoveling and shifting coal, but sure. What day is? Better off out of it, but easier said than done. Early and all as it is, you're not the only one making your way to the match. Little knots of elfillas and their sons and grandsons shuffling up Pier Street. Little snatches of chatter as you pass by. The Free State's banjaxed. Paddy Moore was down playing ball with the Chislers in Ring's End this morning. He's after making a hames of his ankle. The game's off, lads. The Belgians landed up in Belfast. They thought they were playing the North. One hour that you. Paddy Moore. Your dad's hero, even though he played for Rovers, and your dad a shellsman like yourself. He was quite like your dad, though. Little stocky fella from Ring's End who always moved faster than you thought he'd be able. Over with Aberdeen now. I hope there's not as many pubs for him in Aberdeen as there are in Dublin, your dad always said. Here's Delir Street already. Uncle Joe got an awful hiding in that police station during the, well, back in the day. Evening Herald office off to the right. Usually wander past if you're in town at the weekend. They put the scores of the Free State League matches up in the window. Coming up on O'Connell Bridge now. Glad you're up on the cart. Easier for a rich man to enter the Kingdom of Heaven than for a pedestrian to get over the bridge these days. The buses and the trams and the people. Still, remember what it was like during the Eucharistic Congress. Big glass altar up there on the bridge and a million people, a million bare heads that stretched for miles around. And John McCormick's voice floating down the lift. I've heard the salmon come down as far as the bridge sometimes. Never seen them yourself. Not many salmon around last year. There were rings and seals ate them all. Sammy McGrath snuck a shotgun onto his boat to try and take care of them. The gun was nearly as big as the boat. Is it sails or whales you're after, Sammy? Moby Dick McGrath, he was called from that day on. Across the river now, God help you. Under Daniel O'Connell. What was the thing your dad taught you to remember the statues on O'Connell Street? Danny and Billy and Johnny. The Pillar, the Priest and Parnell. Size of those crowds outside the GPO. No chance of that trap. Slowing down. Hop off here. Will this do for you, son? Give my regards to your dad. Decent fella. Plenty of time now. You might dodge down Middle Abbey Street. Look into the Oval Bar. Give the crowds a chance to thin out. Usually catch your pal Vinny behind the bar in there. Pouring out cocktails for the rich Yanks. Sell the movies to the cinemas. That's where they go with their spats and their fancy suits. Actually give it a miss. Number 9 tram pulling up. Another off in the distance. Take a chance on one of them. Toss a coin. No, go by the adverts on the sign. Denny or Findlaters. 
Denny or Findlaters? Den go with Denny. Excuse me, miss, you go ahead. Hop up the stairs, it's too full down here. Paper left on the seat. Have a quick look. Sunday Independent, of course. Dad wouldn't have it in the house. A low, lousy rag for scabs and snobs, he says. I wouldn't cut fish on him. No uniforms for political parties. That's the blue shirt thing. They've been talking about that at the Siemens and Port Workers Union meeting in the week. Sure, bastards. Wouldn't catch any of that blue shirt crowd at Daily Mount. Can't stand the game. There's the Belgian team on the front page. Look like a crowd of hard chaws. President de Valera at the man Mansion House received the team who were introduced by Mr. Oscar Trainer TD. The President expressed regret at the death of their King. At the Mansion House, the Lord Mayor Alderman A. Byrne TD presented them with boxes of chocolates containing the Serestot and Civic flags. He was forever handing out chocolates, Alfie Byrne. Seen him giving them to chisers in the street. His gaff must have looked like that factory on the North Strand, Fry Cadbury's. He worked there for a few months when it opened. Put you off chocolate for life. Can't so much as look at a dairy milk now. Can't even listen to the Fry Cadbury program on Auntie May's wireless. Wireless. What is this? The Wonders of Television. John Logie Baird's triumph in making it possible to see by wireless. Is there not enough old tripe on the wireless already without them shoving it in your eyes as well? Who was that? Old tram conductor after struggling up the stairs. Penny fare to Doyle's corner. Ticket in the pocket that doesn't have a hole. You off to the match, son? You are? Tell me this and tell me no more. Is Jimmy Dunn playing for the Free State? Ah, you cotton me, the Arsenal wouldn't let him come over. The shower lousers, they've no hope so. Goes tottering off up the garage. You wonder, did he get that limp in Flanders or in the GPO or from the belt of a truncheon off the DMP or falling out into Liberty Lane after hours when the peelers came knocking? Waltons went by while you were wondering. Every single time you passed it, your dad always said, if your Auntie May had had a piano the like of that, your man Horowitz would only be in the halfpenny place. You've only ever been in Walton's the once, picking up a record for your granddad's wobbly old gramophone last Christmas. I still see him grinning away in his tatty armchair, listening to Gracie Fields with the clouds of players' navy cut from the Christmas tin pouring out of him. Can't be far now. Alphalus cycling up beside the tram with a dog on the handlebars, everyone pointing at him. Skip over the shells game to the Free State team. There he was. Bobby Byrne. Little Babby. The darling of Thorncastle Street. His family lived a few doors down. World's Cup player on your own road. His brother Hubert worked down the docks with your dad. There must have been ten or eleven of them in the family. Never forgotten when Shells won the league just before Christmas in 28. No Byrne was allowed to pay for a pint in Smoky Joe's for months. Not even tea cakes Byrne and he wasn't even a relation. When Uncle Des found out he threw him off the pier. 
Foley from Cork and Gold, Farkerson mustn't have come over from Cardiff. Gaskins from Rovers and Burke from Cork, the fullbacks. Don't really know Burke, but Corkman are normally tough enough. Saki Glenn, the captain, right half. Only Rovers player you have any time for. Your dad says he played against him in the Phoenix Park, says he recommended Saki to Shells when he was only a Gossoon and they weren't interested. And how many shagging cups has he won for Rovers now? O'Reilly at centre half. Ah, good old Joe Kendrick at left half. Back and forth to Shells over the years, one of the best players they've ever had. His dad was a house painter from Monkstown. Met him one time at Shelburne Park. £800 Everton paid for Joe back in the day. Get a house in Pimlico for that. Probably wouldn't be much use on the left wing though. Who are the other forwards? O'Keefe, another Cork fellow. Kelly from Derry and Kennedy from the gate. And the flower among them all, Paddy Moore. Ringsend fellows couldn't be bet for catching shoals or scoring goals, they said. Shoveling coal in your case. Maybe get the Alphalas Union button for the docks when he's past it. Shovel something else for a change. Not thinking about that today. It's a fair old team all the same. Imagine the Free State won. Imagine they went to the World's Cup. Could you go to Italy to see them play? Maybe take one of those pilgrimages to Rome. Sneak off when they weren't looking. Sure, who'd miss you? Hop one of the fruit ships to Genoa, hide in the hold. Never mind Genoa, here you were. Doyle's corner. Leave the paper where you found it. Quick word with the conductor on the way out. A draw's all their work without Jimmy Dunson. A draw, I'm telling you. Crowds wriggling past like shoals of trout. Lean against the wall, let them go by. Tokes us. Plenty of time. Warm red brick of Figsborough against your back. Gang of El Codges slipping into Doyle's for a quick pony of stout. You're lucky to slip back out for kickoff by the faces on them. Pubs closed at five on a Sunday. It's a hardship for the disciples. They might drop into a she-bean in the Liberties after the match or ramble up to Monto for a bottle of porter pulled out of the sewer if they're not squeamish or in fear of God. You'd normally look into the hut if you're up in Daily Mount. Give it a miss today, looking at those crowds. Place nearly burned down last year. Not walking on your own anymore. Step for step with a couple of thousand others. Glad you didn't wear your good shoes today, shuffling through the cowpats left over from the cattle market. Lock step up Connacht Street. Remind you of Patrick's Day last year, with the soldiers and the tanks and the fancy fellas on horses parading up College Green. Where are you going? Are you off to invade Cabra? Uncle Joe roared at them as they wheeled down Westmoreland Street. Dirty looks off the Civic Guard. There aren't many guards around today, apart from your man directing traffic. Violin lesson drifting out an open window. Well enough for some. Elbow in the ribs. Check your pockets and turn around. Mick. Mick Fitz from school. Haven't seen him since Mr. O'Reilly's funeral last year. 
Two of you wedge between a family of ten, up on the special train from Limerick, sprigs of shamrocks on their coats. Never seen a crowd like this at Daily Mount, hardly even walking now. Not sure if you're moving or being moved. Mister, will you lift us over? Little lad of five or six. Hoist him up and he's passed down over the turnstile. Your turn now. Hand over your shilling for the unreserved terrace. Long week until payday, but sure. It's not every day the World's Cup is in town. Do without the programme, all the same. You've lost, Mick. Clamber up the grassy bank on the edge of the terrace. Nice and firm today. No mud. See both ends from here. Must be 20,000 here already. Had to wriggle your way up. Feel like you're standing in the next man's overcoat. 10 past 3 by the clock. St. James's Brass and Reed Band out in the pitch. Mumble going through the crowd. Saki Glenn's not playing. Who's not playing? Saki Glenn. Why not? Heard himself playing for Rovers yesterday. The shower of bastards, but they not left him off it with this game now today. Who are you calling bastards? And call them Rovers bastards, you Rovers bastard. Come back here and say that. You know well I can't even see you back there, you bleeding. Mick pipes up. You know that voice anyway. I know that man, he's a blue shirt. Ah, now lay the politics error at you. Mind your own business, Woodrow Wilson. Someone's found out that the referee's an Englishman. Curses and groans everywhere. Music stopped. Who's this coming out? The Belgians. Red shirts and black nicks. Up the bows, someone shouts. They're a rough-looking lot, are Look like a gang of Dutch Schultzes from here. Please stand for the Belgian anthem. Already standing. Don't know any Belgians. Charlie from the coal yard was there with the Fusiliers during the war. Got gassed at wipers. Starts choking from it if anyone talks about the war. Dick O'Leary reckons he's putting it on, just doesn't want to talk about taking the king's shilling. Decent skin all the same, Charlie. He has a little cross made out of the bullet that they dug out of him. Showed you in the coal yard one night. Big cheer. Here are our fellows now. Green, white and green. Little lad beside you shouting out their names as they come out like they're school friends of his. Good man Paddy, good man Billy, good man Joe. Soldier song now. We learnt the words at school, can't remember them. Used to hear Mr. Jacobs sing it all the way up the street when he left the pub on a Saturday night. I look around at the crowd. Never seen the like of them. Old men like chiselers at Christmas, wrinkles straightening out of their faces. That one's giving you a dirty look, but I'll turn back to the end. Some crowd on the same.
kick off. No, wait, what was this? Two teams lining up for something. Minute silence, looks like. What for? King of Belgium. What happened to him? Fell off at a mountain. Can't imagine Dev climbing a mountain. You'd wondered what the black armbands were for. Couldn't see them wearing black armbands if it had been the King of England. One king was the same as another as far as you were concerned. Enough respect now. Loud rustle. 20,000 hats going back on 20,000 heads. Two teams lining up. Odd shout from the crowd, but mostly just nerves now. The World's Cup. The World's Cup. Blow the whistle, you fat English bastard. Ah, here, give the fella a chance. This was it. A big rumbling roar from the crowd. Bounciest pitch you've ever seen in your life. Ball hopping and lepping like a scalded cat. Humping it up the field like shells in a hurry. Goal! Goal, Paddy Moore! No, it wasn't. What was wrong with that? Offside, handball! Sure you fouled your man, did you not see? Never mind the black ref, it's the black and tan you should have on, you dirty louser. Ireland's back's all jumbled up. O'Reilly, Lynch and Gaskins up and down and over and back like Protestants at Mass, as your ma said. Belgians Protestant or Catholic or what were they? Hard to tell from their names, no Billies or Micks. They were getting on top of Ireland now. Shot by O'Keefe earlier, but nothing since. This was dangerous now. Lost it. Down the right, and a cross, and a goal. A goal for the Belgians. That's the end of the World's Cup, anyhow. Would you be quiet, you bleeding Jonah? They're only playing for ten minutes. Jonah might have been right though. Belgians as dangerous as they looked before the game. Two good chances over the bar. Didn't fancy those Irish backs at all. Moore and Kelly were looking handy enough at the other end. Chance there for O'Keefe, but he made an awful hames of it. Big ugly crowd, the Belgians. Putting their massive hooves through the ball till they nearly popped it. Knew the Free State were weak at the back. What was this though? Free State on the attack. The whole reserve stand tipping forward in a wave. The centre into Kennedy. Put your mutton head in it. He does. No luck. Little old fella in a brown cap talking to no one and everyone. There's a goal coming. There's one coming. It's only a, a formality. Wind is with the Belgians. What wind there is. Blowing from the city towards St. Peter's schools behind Ireland's goal. Belgians forward again. Ball into the middle. Sailing on the wind. Headed up in the air. And there's Foley to punch it away. Seeing harder punches around the back of Joseph's Hall. Drop, drop, dropping to the Belgian. Pokes out his inset like Fred Astaire starting up a big number. Big high loopy lob over the goalkeeper. Over Burke. Two goals to him. Angry man with a big red head pushing through the crowd. Where's the fellow who said there was a goal coming? Where is he? The little fella down the front. 
pushing up the collar of his raggedy coat, sucking on his pipe, beady eyes darting back until the angry chap stops grunting. And a second later you're on the floor almost. A goal, and it counted. Who scored it? Who was that climbing out from under a couple of Belgians? It was him. It could only be him. Good man Paddy. Good man Paddy Moore. Big broad smiles cracking over faces, everyone settling back on their feet. He wobbles from the hut crowd. Some miserable bastard saying, one goal is no good to us. We have to win this. Get ahead of yourself anyway. If they make it to Italy, you'll go. One way or another, even if you have to get the parish priest to write a letter to the Pope. What was that now? Big clatter in the middle of the field, heard the crack from here, that's a broken leg for sure. One of theirs or one of ours? It's the Belgian. I haven't heard a crack like that since the hatch fell on Monkey McGurk's arm. John's ambulance out there now. Smart white belts across them like the French toy soldiers you used to see in Cleary's window at Christmas. Stretcher coming towards you. Hand across his face. Little boy hopping up and down behind the fence. Let me see, let me see. Pain's fascinating at that age. Now Philip pulling his cap off as the stretcher passes by. You can put it back on, mister. He's only wounded. Bit of commotion now. Necks craning. Here's Lazarus coming back on, says someone. It's not, it's not. It's a different fellow. You can't send a different fellow on, can you? The winger is dead. Long live the winger, the man behind you mumbles into his moustache. Seen that chap before. I think he's a bookie from Stella Gardens. Turn around quick, crowd screaming. Who has it? It's Paddy Moore. Paddy Moore threw on the goalie, clutching his sleeve like he does when he shoots. Shoots! Saved. Saved. That would have been nice now, a goal before half time. Might get it here yet. O'Keefe in. That's an easy one. That's a. Ah, she's missed again, the smothering bastard. They can keep their six counties if that's what's in them, says someone. Lift your head back. That wasn't Kelly, that was O'Keefe. They've swapped them over. Half time by the clock. Ref playing on. Belgians have it. It's a close shave, just over the bar. You must look into Mr. Lumberg when you have the price of a haircut. He's been blown up. Half time. Sighs and cheers. That's some match, boys. That's some match. Bella's pulling out pipes and cigarettes and chatting and chattering to strangers like they're just out of mass. How many wingers does the one team need? We're still losing. We're still losing. Bill Lacey would want to tug out himself for the second half. You'd see a game then. Paddy Moore is worth every penny of £10,000. Every penny of it. Is your man O'Keefe jarred or what is he? Tap the fellow in front of you. Excuse me, mister. Can I have a look at your programme? I'll give it back to you. Thanks. Not much in it. I suppose it's only a penny, but it's, it's a penny you don't have to be giving away. The World's Cup. In our group, Holland, Belgium and ourselves have agreed to play each other once. Two points to count for a win and one for a draw. The two teams with the most points will qualify for the final competition in Italy. Would Mussolini let you in the country? 
I mustn't check up on everyone, surely. Bet some blue shirt bastard here would rat on you that you're in the union. Would they keep you out over that? Peacock Theatre. Don't miss first production, The Right Man. A comedy in three acts. This isn't a tragedy in two. If it's sports goods or weatherproofs, get them at Elvery's. Used to ask your dad to lift you up to see the elephant over the door when you passed Elvery's. Still look at it today. Remember when you got brought to Dublin Zoo and the baby elephant had died? Man said it was supposed to be a lady elephant, but someone swapped it for a boy on the boat over. Because the female was worth more money. Fingers McCoy down the docks has pulled a few fast ones with the cargo, but he's never robbed an elephant in the middle of the ocean. Here they came for the second half. Gaskins swapping places with O'Reilly gone into the middle. Belgians kick off, attacking again already. That was dangerous down the right. Swung over. Someone will stop that. Someone will stop. Someone will surely stop that. Goal. Goal. 3-1. That's the tin hat putting the thing anyhow. Did they get them backs off Fawcett Circus? Fella fumbling with a big movie camera on the sideline. Would he point it at a funeral as quick? Wonder if you'd be on the Pathé News. Free State kick-off again. A few cheers and roars with the life gone out of them. Wait though. Kennedy gets it. Good cross in. Too much on it. But more. Paddy Moore. Paddy Moore. Paddy Moore again. He's done it again. Robbed it off the keeper and poked it in the goal. What score is it now, Sonam, after losing count? 3-2 to Belgium, mister. Paddy Moore is playing them out on his own. Ireland rushing forward. Ball hopping up the bouncy pitch like that basketball they play in the Free State Army. Babby Byrne want to be making himself known. Don't make a show of Thorncastle Street, Babby. Belgium's not in it at all anymore. Matthew Byrne's chocolates must be wearing off them. Time. 20 to 5. Plenty of time to win this. Give it to Paddy Bleeding Moore. They know, son, they know. Look around at the heaps of faces. Postman's caps. Overalls. Lady in furs. Like when you went to see that blackmail picture at the Grafton, old men and ladies and priests who can't tear their eyes away. Hands clenched, white, cigarettes hanging off their teeth, thinking about nothing but the next 20 minutes. The hero always won at the cinema in the end. O'Reilly picks it up, much better at wing half. Big pass over to Kelly on the left. Paddy Moore's running through the middle. Give it to him, Kelly. He does. Moore. Gets a touch on it. Pass the keeper. The hat-trick. The hat-trick for Paddy Moore. His teammates grabbing him by the shoulder. Cheers rolling down the terraces. Even the gentry up in the reserve terrace. Up on their feet and clapping to the rafters. Go and win it now. Go and win it now, lads. It's on the play for you. Shouts and cheers and whistles die down. Everyone knows the Free State have to win it from here. Rippling roar every time Moore makes a run. The Belgians are terrified of him. Free State pressing the attack. Everyone darting and dodging like when you're playing in the street and the sun's slipping under the rooftops and the next goal wins the game. Need to watch the back door though. Big wallop up the right. Inside right's past Burke. 
cross for the man who came off. Foley out too far. A goal. Another poxy goal for Belgium. A pin in the balloon. No swerving or names or sticks or stones. Just shock and sighs and silence. Country voice chirps up behind you. Some game anyhow, win, lose or draw. Chap around the front spins round, murder in his eyes. Would you ever? The priest turns back. Poor Foley fetching the ball out of the net like he's dredging a body out of the canal. Boots it back to the centre with his head hanging on his chest. Huge red-headed lad in a painter's overalls down at the front, the only voice now. Clapping his massive hands. You've half an hour left, that's bags of time, bags of time. Free State playing like they believe him, even if nobody else does. Kennedy and Byrne trying to do it all. Getting darker now, even without any clouds. You wonder if they'll ever get floodlights in, like they have in Holland. Could you make it to the Holland game? What was that ship that was always coming in from Rotterdam? The Trito? Surely Fiddles Caffrey could have a word with the captain and get you on that. Sure, there's O'Keefe. Through on the goal again. Looking at the Belgian goalie with the zip on his shirt and the big floppy head of hair. Hit it, son! Keith just slaps it off and nearly feels sorry for him now. 20 minutes left. You get your watch out of Kelly's on Fleet Street this week. Bastard was nearly doing you a favour taking it. Staked the things in. Corner, is it? Corner it is. Hope against hope they do something with this one. Wasted all the corners so far. Row of hands clutching the barriers. Squeezed white. Surprised it doesn't snap. Kelly swings it in. Headed off again by a Belgian. You'd need a stepladder to head the ball off them brutes. The crowd of monsters alright. Ball back with Kendrick. Good one in now Joey. Puts the crossover. Paddy Moore. Up. Up. Up like a salmon. Flicks the head. He scores. He scores. Went up with the keeper. Drew a set of wings. Headed it backwards. Glance over the shoulder. Keeper chased it into the goal on his knees. Did you see that? Mother of Jesus, did you see that? The fellow's only five foot two of these a day. Didn't I tell you that fellow was worth ten grand? Never seen a game like this. Players leapfrogging on Paddy Moore's back. Young lads trying to jump the barriers. The Belgians kick off in an unmerciful din they can probably hear back in Thorncastle Street. Frenzy now. Only notice you've been carried along about 50 yards from where you started. Closer to the pitch, not really sure if your feet are touching the ground. Ireland playing ferociously now, but the Belgians don't look scared. Quarter of an hour to win it or lose it. Giant with the red hair trying to scream at the players, but his voice is long gone. Nothing coming out but whispers. Ten minutes to play. Fabby Byrne buzzing around now. Never pay for a pint in Smokey Joe's again if he scores. Five minutes to play. Evening sun lighting up the spire of St. Peter's. Ref letting all the fouls go now. Looks like he just wants it over. Puffing his cheeks, don't blame him. Belgians had it. Jesus, don't give one up now. Back with Foley. Safe. Whistle to the lips. Deep breath. It's over. Four off. Three cheers for Paddy Moore. Four cheers for Paddy Moore. 
Paddy Moore for Lord Mayor. Paddy Moore for President. Grab him there to rebuild him a statue. Teams applauded to the rafters off the pitch. A bravo a nos amis belges, shouts the priest. Bit of polite applause around him. You don't want to leave, no one does. How could you go back outside after seeing something like that? Tear yourself away. Spot Mick Fitz. He looks away and pulls up his collar. Could have swore that was a tear in his eye. Back out onto Phibsborough Road. Little knots of young fellas kicking stones and rag balls. Every one of them Paddy Moore. One lad getting his pals to throw the ball higher and higher so he can practice heading it like Moore did for the last goal. Walking back in a daze. Crowds pile onto the trams or off in the direction of you know where. Might as well walk it and run the game back in your mind. Look forward to the papers tomorrow. God, that was so much. Lamplighter coming out towards you, heading for the park. Were you at that match, son? Just nod. Just nod. You couldn't explain what it was like. If they get to Italy, you'll go. I hope you enjoyed that little excursion through the Dublin of 1934. I'm sorry it took so long to put together, but thanks for your patience, and I'll know not to do it again. I want to acknowledge a few of the sources I used, but first of all, just a quick wrap-up on the match we just covered, the 4-4 draw between the Irish Free State and Belgium. As you've just heard, all four of our... our as you've just heard, all four of Ireland's goals were scored by Paddy Moore, and it was the first time that anyone anywhere had managed to score four goals in a single World Cup match. In fact, in all the years and decades since, only one other man has scored four goals for Ireland in any match, Don Givens against Turkey in 1975. As for our hero himself, Paddy Moore, well, he wasn't actually from Ringsend. He was actually born across the bay in Ballybock, but Ringsend people claimed him at the time, and some still do. That afternoon at Daily Mount would be his finest moment in a green shirt. He only played a total of nine games for the Free State, scoring seven goals, and he also made one appearance for the Ireland side picked by the IFA in Belfast. Sadly, alcoholism dogged and shortened his life and contributed to his early death at the age of 41. In the wake of Moore's heroics against Belgium, Ireland travelled to Amsterdam to take on the Netherlands in their second and final qualifier for the 1934 World Cup. Ireland had beaten the Netherlands at the De Meer back in 1932, and a win this time would send the Free State to the World Cup in Italy. How did that pan out? Well, you can find out in a future episode of Irish Football Chronicles, although not in this format. And just another strange postscript to this game. The young Cork forward Tim O'Keefe, who had such a disastrous debut, was accused of stealing from the Belgian goalkeeper van der Veer at the post-match dinner, and he didn't reappear in the national team until 1938. 
Just five years after that, Dalyman Park would host a benefit game between the League of Ireland and the Army's Eastern Command, the proceeds going to the family of Tim O'Keefe, who had died of cancer aged just 33. Now, several sources were invaluable in putting this episode together, including The Dublin Docker by Aileen O'Connor and Don Bennett, Kevin C. Kearns' Oral Histories of Dublin Life, and Donald Cullen's book, Free Staters. I'd also like to thank Robbie Thornton for providing me with access to the match programme and to the Ireland player Billy Kennedy's diary from the week of the game. Thanks as well to Jared Farrell for all his research um, that he's done on Irish football before the Second World War, which fed into this episode in various ways. And last of all, apologies to James Joyce for bor- borrowing the route of Leopold Bloom's journey from the Irish Town Road to Fibsborough, but any resemblance to advertising salesmen, living, dead or fictional, is entirely coincidental. That's it. Thanks so much for listening, and I promise we'll be back soon. In the meantime, please do share this podcast with anyone who might enjoy it. Rate and subscribe. And you can also email us at 100irishgames at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Irish Football Chronicles, or on Twitter at 100 Irish Games. See you next time. Across the ocean wild and wild